After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the Fifth, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Asrihil Aziz stated, In the previous Friday sermon, as I announced the new year of Waqfah Jadid, I mentioned the positions of the Jamaats of various countries, and in that I said that among the Jamaats of UK, in terms of total collection of Janda Waqfah Jadid, the Islamabad Jamaat stood first. However, later on it came to light that the analysis was incorrect and in fact the Aldershot Jamaat has attained the first position and Islamabad Jamaat is runner-up. I do not wish to dwell on why and how it happened but in any case this correction was important to highlight and hence I wish to mention this at the outset of the sermon. The Aldershot Jamaat is mashallah offering great sacrifices and the president of the Lejna Jamaat of Aldershot specially wrote to me stating how some of the ladies had offered exceptional sacrifices and that their passion for sacrifice is exemplary. May Allah the Almighty bless their possessions and their families. In the previous sermon, I generally mentioned incidents of sacrifice made by poorer people from the developing countries so that it may instill the same passion among the affluent people and that they may also understand the true spirit of sacrifice. Otherwise, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, there are also many such people in these developed countries who offer sacrifices whilst ignoring their own worldly needs. But in any case, as I mentioned earlier, that among the Jamaats of UK, the Aldershot Jamaat is at the top of the list in Bakfajadid collection. I will now turn to the topic of today's Friday sermon, which is the account of the Badri companions, i.e. those companions who took part in the Battle of Badr. And in the sermon before last week's sermon, I was speaking on Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah, some of the narrations were still remaining and so today I will relate some further accounts from his life. However, a reference which I mentioned in the previous sermon needs to be corrected. And although I did not mention it to those who send the references, and despite having felt something was not correct about it, our team at the research cell themselves realized that the, and they sent in the correction. And as a result, my misunderstanding was also removed in regards to this. MashaAllah, the research team worked extremely diligently in searching and collating these references. But at times, 
they hastily go through such references, whereby similar accounts of two companions become mixed up. Likewise, at times, the true reality remains uncovered of a particular incident due to not choosing the most befitting words whilst translating from the original Arabic references. But in any case, now they have themselves sent in a correction in relation to this, which I will mention first, and then the remaining accounts will be given. In the Friday sermon of December 27, whilst introducing Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, it was stated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Saad radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and Tulab bin Umar, who had migrated from Mecca to Medina. According to Ibn Ishaq, the bond of brotherhood Ayyimuakhad established by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was between Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and Hazrat Abu Dhar Ghafari radiyallahu anhu. However, some disagree with this and Vakdi has rejected this suggestion because according to him, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established this bond of brotherhood between the companions before the Battle of Badr and Hazrat Abu Zar Ghaffari anhu was not present in Medina at the time. Hazrat Abu Zar Ghaffari anhu did not participate in the Battle of Badr, Uhud and Khandak and he presented himself to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, after these battles. In any case, I mentioned that this was the argument given by Bhakti. However, this is not the case, and the narration about the bond of brotherhood Aymuakhat was with reference to Hazrat Munzir bin Amr bin Khunas. The Rabwa researcher wrote that the book from which they took this particular reference from also had the name of Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and they mistakenly placed this account with Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Whereas the actual reference is in regards to establishing the bond of brotherhood with reference to Hazrat Munzir bin Amr and the details of which I have already mentioned in the previous sermon on 25th January of last year. In any case, this was the clarification and now I shall continue to narrate the accounts from his life. When the battle of the ditch had taken place, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, contemplated sending Uyayna bin Hisan, a third of the dates of Medina, on the condition that the people of the Ghatfan tribe travelling with him would go back. With the exception of all else, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took counsel from only Hazrat Saad bin Muad and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu anhuma, and both of them on this occasion replied that, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you have been commanded by God Almighty to do so, then by all means proceed in doing so. However, if this is not the case, then by God we shall give them nothing but the sword. In other words, we will take what is our right, or they shall receive whatever punishment was due as a result of the hypocrisy or breaking of their oath. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, But I have not been instructed in this regard. Rather, it was my personal opinion which I shared with both of you. And so they both answered that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that these people did not even expect such treatment from us in the Jahiliyyah period, i.e. the era of ignorance prior to Islam. So why now, after God Almighty has guided us through you? In other words, the rules which were in place before should still apply to them now. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was pleased with their answer. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib anhu, has mentioned the details of this with regards to the conditions during the Battle of the Ditch as follows. He writes that these days were one of grave pain, apprehension and danger. And as the siege grew longer and longer, the Muslims naturally began to lose their strength to fight. And although they were full of faith and sincerity, their bodies, which of course functioned according to the material law of nature, began to fall weak. In other words, the body has certain physical needs, such as comfort and the need of nourishment. 
However, since the siege had prolonged, therefore they had to endure extremely difficult circumstances and could neither get proper rest nor proper food and were consequently losing their strength. And so this impact on their bodies was owing to the natural laws. Thus, when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, witnessed the state of affairs, he called upon two chiefs of the Ansar, i.e. Hazrat Saad bin Muaz and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'anhuma, and recalling to them all of the circumstances at hand, sought their counsel in light of the conditions of the Muslims. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, even proposed that if you are in agreement, it is also possible that we may give the Ghatfan tribe a portion of our wealth so that this war may be averted. As Asad bin Muad and as Asad bin Ubadah radiyallahu anhuma resonated the same words and submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, if you have received divine revelation in this respect, then we bow before you in obedience. In this case, most definitely let us act upon this proposition gladly. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that I have not received any revelation in this matter and I only present this suggestion out of my consideration for the hardship you are being made to bear. The two Saads responded that then our suggestion is that if we have never given anything to an enemy while we were idolaters, why then should we do as Muslims? In other words, they will continue to follow the rules that were a custom of the time. They further said that by God we shall give them nothing but the strikes of our swords. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was worried on account of the Ansar who were the native residents of Medina. And so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was particularly concerned about them in regards to the prolonged siege and whether they had any reservations or were in discomfort from it. Furthermore, in seeking this counsel, the only intent of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was to perhaps gather insight into the mental state of the Ansar, as to whether they were worried about the hardships or not, and if they were, then to console them. And so, when this proposal was put forth, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, happily accepted, and the war continued. In reference to the Banu Qurayza and their treacherous actions during the Battle of Khandaq, i.e. the Battle of the Ditch, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has written in Sirat Khatamun Nabiyyin that in addition to this, another tactic which Abu Sufyan employed was that he instructed Huyay bin Akhtab, the Jewish chief of Banu Nazir, to go to the fortress of Banu Qurayza in the veils of the darkness of night and attempt to bring over the Banu Qurayza with the aid of their chief Gab bin Asad. Therefore, Huyay bin Akhtab found an opportunity and arrived at the home of Gab. Initially, Gab refused and said that we have settled a covenant and agreement with Muhammad and that he has always loyally fulfilled his covenants and agreements. Therefore, he said that I cannot act treacherously towards him, i.e. towards the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, Huyay painted a picture of lush green gardens to him and gave him such confidence in the imminent destruction of Islam and presented their own resolve with such force and emphasis that they would not return from Medina until they had obliterated Islam, that ultimately he agreed. And so, in this manner, the strength of the Banu Qurayza also added to the weight on a scale which was already heavily away to one side. In other words, they were already strong materially. Thus, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah the Almighty be upon him, received news of this dangerous treachery of the Banu Qurayza, he initially dispatched Zubair bin Awam anhu to obtain intelligence in secret two or three times. Then after this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, formally sent Saad bin Muad and Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu anhuma, who were the chiefs of the Aws and Khazraj tribes along with few other influential companions 
in the form of a delegation towards the Banu Quraiza. Moreover, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has strictly instructed that if there was troubling news, it should not be publicly disclosed when they returned. Rather, secrecy should be maintained so that people were not made apprehensive. When these people reached the dwellings of the Banu Quraiza and approached Qab bin Asad, this evil man confronted them in a very arrogant manner. And when the two Saads spoke of the treaty, Qab and the people of his tribe turned wicked and said, Be gone, there is no treaty between Muhammad and us. Upon hearing these words, this delegation of companions set off. Hazrat Saad bin Muad and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah then presented themselves before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and informed him of the state of affairs in an appropriate manner. And so their punishment or the fight against them continued. During the battle of the Banu Quraiza, Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah loaded dates upon several camels to send as food for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Muslims. And on this occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, and what an excellent form of nourishment the date is. Then during the battle of Mota, which took place in Jamadul Ula, 8 Hijri, Hazrat Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, went to his home to pay his condolences. Thereupon, his daughter came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, whilst weeping constantly due to the agony and distress. As a result, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also began to cry. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu then asked, that, O Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what is the reason for this? To which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, That is, this is one's affection for his beloved. There is another narration from Sahih Bukhari. The previous narration was not from Sahih Bukhari, but this one is, although it is relating a different incident. Hisham bin Urwa relates from his father that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah the Almighty be upon him, departed for the conquest of Mecca, the Quraysh had received news of this. Consequently, Abu Sufyan bin Harb Hakim bin Hizam and Budel bin Baraka also went out to seek information about the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. They set out and continued to walk until they reached a place called Marruz Zaran. And Marruz Zaran is a place five miles from Mecca, wherein are plentiful springs and gardens of dates. In any case, when these individuals reached this place, they saw countless fires lit, just as there are at Arafat during the pilgrimage. Upon witnessing this, Abu Sufyan stated that what is this? It seems as though these are the fires of Arafat. Budayl bin Varaga, however, stated that these seem to be the fires of Banu Amr, i.e. of the Khuzar tribe. However, Abu Sufyan replied that the Banu Amr tribe are much fewer in number. Thereafter, some guards of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw them and seized the three of them. They were then brought to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and Abu Sufyan accepted Islam. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, left towards Mecca, he told Hazrat Abbas anhu that keep Abu Sufyan at the mountain pass so that he may see the Muslims. Therefore, Hazrat Abbas anhu held him there and numerous tribes passed by alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and each division of the army passed in front of Abu Sufyan. When one group was passing by, Abu Sufyan asked, Abbas, who are these people? As the Abbas replied that these are the people of the Ghaffar tribe, to which Abu Sufyan said, that I have no concern for the Ghaffar tribe. Then the people of the Juhayna tribe passed by, and Abu Sufyan posed the same question. Then the people of 
the Saad bin Hussein tribe passed by and he asked the same question. Then the people of the Sulaim tribe passed by and he again asked the same question, up to the point where the last division of the army passed by, which he had not seen before. Abu Sufyan asked, Who are these people? Hazrat Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that these are the Ansar and their chief is Hazrat Saad bin Ubada radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who is holding the flag. Hazrat Saad bin Ubada exclaimed, Abu Sufyan, today is the day of a fierce battle in which all fighting shall be permissible in the precinct of the Kaaba. Having heard this, Abu Sufyan then said, Abbas, what a great day of destruction this would be if I were to contest you. In other words, if he was on the opposing side and had the opportunity to fight them, but he was now a Muslim, having accepted Islam. Then another division of the army arrived, which was the smallest of all the battalions. Among them was the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Muhajireen, and the flag of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was being carried by Hazrat Zubair bin Abam radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, passed by Abu Sufyan, he said, Are you not aware of what Saad bin Ubada has just said? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, inquired, Then what did he say? Abu Sufyan then told him whatever Hazrat Saad bin Ubada radiallahu ta'ala anhu had uttered. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then replied, That Saad has erred. In fact, today is the day that God Almighty shall restore the honour of the Kaaba, and it shall be covered with the sheet. There shall be no fighting on this day. Hazrat Muslim radiallahu ta'ala anhu has mentioned this incident in more detail and is as follows. He writes, While the Muslims marched towards Mecca, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had ordered Hazrat Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu to take Abu Sufyan and his friends to a spot from where they could easily view the Muslim army and its loyalty and devotion. Hazrat Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu did so and from a vantage point Abu Sufyan and his friends watched the Arab tribes go past on whose power the Meccans had banked all these years for their plots against Islam. The people of Mecca thought that they would be able to receive help from them, and now they were all stood alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. They marched that day not as soldiers of disbelief, but as soldiers of belief. They raised now slogans of Islam, not slogans of their pagan days, and they marched in formation, not to put an end to the Prophet's life, as the Meccans desired, but rather to lay down their lives to save his and not to shed his blood, but their own for his sake. Their ambition that day was not to resist the Prophet, peace be upon him's message, and save the superficial solidarity of their own people. Rather, it was to carry all parts of the world the very message they had so far resisted. It was to establish the unity and solidarity of man. Column after column marched past until the Ashjah tribe came in Abu Sufyan's view. Their devotion to Islam and the self-sacrificing zeal could be seen in their faces, and heard in their songs and slogans. Who are they? asked Abu Sufyan. Hazrat Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, they are the Ashja tribe. Abu Sufyan looked astonished and said, In all Arabia no one bore greater enmity to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa than them. Hazrat Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that we owe it to the grace of God, that he changed the hearts of the enemy of Islam as soon as he deemed fit. Then, last of all came the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, surrounded by the armies of the Ansar and Muhajireen. They must have been about 2,000 strong, dressed in suits of armor. And Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu directed their marching and would continuously tell them to be mindful of their steps so that the rows remained intact. The sight proved the most impressive of all, and the devotion of these Muslims and their determination and their zeal seemed overflowing. When Abu Sufyan's eyes fell on them, he was completely overpowered. Who are they? he asked. They are the Ansar and the Muhajireen surrounding the Prophet, peace be upon him, replied Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. No power on earth could resist this army, said Abu Sufyan. And then addressing Hazrat Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu more specifically, he stated that Abbas your nephew has become the most powerful king in the world today. Hazrat Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that you are still far from the truth, Abu Sufyan. He is no king, but he is a prophet and a messenger of God. Yes, yes, let it be as you say, a prophet, added Abu Sufyan. And as the Muslim army reached past Abu Sufyan, the commander of the Ansar, 
Saad bin Ubada radiyallahu ta'ala anhu happened to I Abu Sufyan and could not resist saying that God Almighty that day had made it lawful for them to enter Mecca by force and that the Quraysh would be humiliated. As the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was passing, Abu Sufyan raised his voice and addressing the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, that have you allowed the massacre of your own kith and kin? For I heard the commander of the Ansar, Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu and his companions say so. They said it was a day of slaughter and that sacredness of Mecca will not avert bloodshed and the Quraysh will be humiliated. He then said that Prophet of God, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, you are the best and the most forgiving and the most considerate of men. Thus, will you not forgive and forget whatever was done by your own people? Upon hearing this plea from Abu Sufyan, those very Muslims who used to be insulted and beaten in the streets of Mecca, who had been dispossessed and driven out of their homes, began to entertain feelings of mercy for their old persecutors. O Prophet of God, they said, the accounts which the Ansar have heard of the excesses and cruelties committed by the Meccans against us may lead them to seek revenge and we know not what they may do. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, understood this. Turning to Abu Sufyan, he said, What Saad has said is quite wrong. It is not the day of slaughter, but it is the day of forgiveness, and the Quraysh and the Kaaba will be honoured by God. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then sent for Saad, and ordered him to hand over the Ansar flag to his son, Qais, for he will now be the commander of the Ansar's army. And so, in this way, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, placated the Meccans and saved the Ansar's disappointment. And Qais, who was a pious young man, was fully trusted by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim anhu in relation to his level of piety states that an incident of his last days illustrates the piety of his character. Lying on his deathbed, Gaius received his friends. Some came and some did not. And he could not understand this and asked why some of his friends had not come to see him. One of his friends said that your charity is abundant for Gaius was extremely generous and would help people. And so this individual further stated that you have been helping the needy by your loans and there are many in the town who are in debt to you and so some may have hesitated to come lest you should ask them for the return of the loans. Upon hearing this, Gas replied that then I have been the cause of keeping my friends away. Therefore, please announce and no one now owes anything to Qais. After this announcement, Qais had so many visitors during his last days that the steps that led to his house gave way. Another name for the Battle of Hunayn is the Battle of Hawazan. And Hunayn is the name of a valley 30 miles from Mecca and is situated between Mecca and Taif. The Battle of Hunayn took place after the conquest of Mecca in Shawal 8 Hijri. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, distributed the spoils gained from this war among the Muhajirin. And the Ansar felt this in their hearts. Regarding this, there is a detailed narration found in Musnad Ahmad bin Humbal. Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri radiyallahu ta'ala anhu relates that when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him distributed the spoils among the Quraysh and the other Arab tribes, there was nothing left to give to the Ansar. And so they felt aggrieved at this and would speak amongst themselves regarding this. To the extent but someone even said that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would soon return to his tribe and that he has forgotten the Ansar and only bestowed the spoils of war to the Muhajirin. 
Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu presented himself before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Ansar feel something in their hearts about this. In other words, with regards to the spoils of war that were distributed amongst the various Arab tribes, and that the Ansar did not receive anything therefrom. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, O Saad, with regards to this, which side are you on? Clarify your position on the matter. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I am merely an ordinary member of my tribe, and I have no status or rank. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, that gather your tribe in such and such area. In other words, he was instructed to gather his people in an open plain. Thus, Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu left and gathered the Ansar in the specified location. Some Muhajirin also joined them, and Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu permitted them to come, but some other individuals wished to enter. However, Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu prevented them from entering. When everyone had gathered together, Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and informed him that the Ansar had all gathered together. The narrator further says that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came and after praising Allah the Almighty, he stated, O ye Ansar, whatever is the matter, I am receiving reports that you are aggrieved and not receiving anything from the spoils of war. Before I came to you, were you not in a state of misguidance? And God Almighty bestowed guidance upon you. And were you not destitute before God Almighty granted you affluence? And were you not enemies of each other until the time God Almighty instilled love for one another in your hearts? He replied that indeed, for God and His Messenger وسلم, are greater and more benevolent. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated that, O ye Ansar, why do you not answer the questions I presented before you? The Ansar replied that, O Messenger of Allah how can we reply when all benevolence and blessings are from Allah the Almighty and His Messenger, peace be upon Him? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon Him, then stated, By God, you could have said, and you would have been truthful in your statement if you had said, that I came to you when I had been rejected by all others, and then you accepted me, and that all of my own people had abandoned me, but you all assisted me. I came to you since my people had abandoned me and then you granted me protection. Since you were a large party, I entered into an agreement with you. In other words, they could have said all of this. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, O ye Ansar, do you feel dismay over an insignificant piece of worldly wealth that I granted to others but not to you? I granted to them in order to comfort their hearts so that they may accept Islam and so that they can become firm in their faith. But I entrusted you with your faith in Islam. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, O ye Ansar, does it not please you that other people will return to their homes, having acquired sheep, goats and camels, yet you will return home alongside the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then further stated that I swear by the one who holds the life of Muhammad in his mighty hand, were it not for the migration, I would have been Mansar. And if all the people chose one valley in which to pass by, and the Ansar chose another, I will always adopt the one chosen by the Ansar. O Allah, have mercy on the Ansar, and upon the sons of the Ansar, and also the grandsons of the Ansar. The narrator of this tradition then further states that upon hearing this, all the inside that were present began to weep to the extent that their beards became wet from their tears. They then said that we were content with how the Messenger of Allah وسلم, distributed the spoils of all. In other words, they were happy with however the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had distributed the wealth and that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was sufficient enough for them. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then left and the people also dispersed.
on the occasion of Hajjatul Wada, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, travelled from Medina to perform the Hajj. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arrived at the place of Hajj, his mount went missing. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr used the same mount, which was in the care of the servant of Hazrat Abu Bakr when it went missing. Hazrat Safwan bin Muattal travelled behind the main caravan and managed to find the missing camel. He brought the missing camel along with him, who still had all the provisions loaded on top of it. When Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah heard of this incident, he came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, along with his son Qais, and also brought a camel loaded with provisions to take along on a journey. When they met the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he was standing beside the entrance to his home. At that time, God Almighty had returned his camel to him, i.e. the camel that was lost and had been recovered by the time Saad came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. As Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa we have heard that your camel along with all your provisions has been misplaced, so please take our mount instead. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, that God Almighty has brought our mount back to us. In other words, I have found the mount that went missing. Both of you can now take back the mount you have brought, and may God Almighty bless both of you. Hazrat Usama bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, One of the daughters of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to me, that her son is on his deathbed, and that he should come to see them. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent word back, saying, that he belongs to Allah, who bestows and can call him back at any moment. God Almighty has fixed a term for everything, therefore you ought to be steadfast and seek the pleasure of Allah the Almighty. She then sent for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him again, and this time swore by God for him to come to see them. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stood up, and at the time Hazrat Saad bin Ubada, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, Hazrat Ubay bin Kaab, and Hazrat Zaid bin Sabit radiallahu ta'ala anhum, and many other companions were seated around him. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went to see them, the child was brought before him. From the sound he was making, it indicated that he was breathing his last breaths. Hazrat Usama radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated, the sound was like that of two old vessels of water colliding with one another. And upon seeing the child in such condition, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was moved to tears. As Asad radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what is this? To which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, This is owing to the mercy of God Almighty has placed in the hearts of people. God Almighty only bestows his mercy to those people who show mercy to others. This emotional state is not something out of the ordinary, it is simply due to the grace of Allah the Almighty. Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that when Hazrat Saad bin Awada radiallahu ta'ala anhu fell ill, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went to visit him, along with Hazrat Abdul Rahman bin Awf, Hazrat Saad bin Abi Bakas, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with them all. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, arrived, he saw Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu was surrounded by his family members. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, inquired if he had passed away, since he saw his family members crowding around and he was suffering from a severe ailment. The family members replied that no O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu sallam, he is still alive. Nonetheless, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, went close to him and upon seeing his condition, he began to cry. When the people saw the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in this state, they also began to cry. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, that hear my words, God Almighty never punishes for any tears that are shed, nor if the heart feels anguish. Rather, he will punish or show mercy owing to this. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then pointed towards his tongue. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then further stated, that the deceased receives punishment if one's family members lament and wail over a departed one. In other words, it is not correct to lament and wail. But perhaps the condition of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him at the time, was brought about upon seeing Hazrat Sadr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, or that a special state descended upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for the acceptance of prayer, and a result of this he began to cry. However, 
The other people thought that perhaps Hazrat Sa'd's end is near. Hence they began to cry. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, explained to them that they ought to refrain from lamenting and wailing, as it was a harmful deed for one to be displeased at the decree of the Almighty. Hence, if tears flow from the eyes in order to seek the pleasure of Allah the Almighty, then they attract the mercy of God. But if it is owing to lamentation and wailing, then one incurs punishment for such an act. In any case, as Asad bin Ubadah did not pass away during this intense period of illness. Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar further relates that we were in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when someone from among the Ansar came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and offered his greeting of salam, i.e. peace. As he turned away to go back, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, inquired that, O our brother from the Ansar, how is the health of my brother Saad bin Ubadah? He replied that he was better now. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then asked, Who among us will go to visit him? We all stood up to accompany the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and we were more than ten people. At the time we were neither wearing any shoes, nor any cap on our heads, or even our upper garments. In other words, we all quickly set off with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and we continued to walk until we reached Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. People had congregated around him, and they all moved aside and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions stood near him. This narration is from Sahih Muslim and is relating the same incident which was mentioned earlier. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah bin Haram relates that my father once instructed me to prepare some harida and I did so. Harida is a famous dish which is prepared from flour, butter and water. However, according to the lexicon of Hadith, it states that harida is prepared from flour and milk. In any case, he relates that upon my father's instruction, I took the harida and presented it before the Holy Peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was in his residence at the time and asked, O Jabir, is this meat? I submitted, O Messenger of Allah, sallam, no, it is harida. And I prepared this upon the instructions of my father, who then told me to present this before you, and so I have come. After this, I returned to my father, and he asked whether I saw the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. I replied that I did, and my father then inquired whether the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had said anything to me. I told my father that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked me whether it was meat that I had brought. Upon hearing this, my father thought that perhaps the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, desired to eat meat. And so he slaughtered a goat and then cooked its meat and told me to take it and present it before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Abir radiallahu ta'ala anhu continues to relate that I presented the goat meat before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that, O Allah, grant reward to the Ansar from me, particularly Abdullah bin Amr bin Haram and Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu anhum. Hazrat Abu Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once stated, that the best households among the Ansar are from the tribes of the Banu Najjar, then Banu Abd Ashal, Banu Haris bin Khazraj, and then Banu Saida, and that every house of the Ansar is full of goodness. This tradition is from Sahih Bukhari. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who is from among the prominent companions of Islam, stated that it seemed as if the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, held the other households of the other tribes superior to them. However, he was told that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had also established his rank higher than many other people. Then Hazrat Abu Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu testified that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that the best households among the Ansar are the Banu Najjar, then the Banu Abd Ashal, Banu Haris bin Khazraj, and then Banu Sa'idah, and that every house of the Ansar is filled with goodness. The narrator of this tradition, Abu Salma, states that Hazrat Abu Usaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that I am accused of fabricating this tradition. However, if that were the case, then I would have mentioned the name of my tribe first, i.e. the Banu Saida. When Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu heard this, he also felt this in his heart. In the previous narration, it also mentioned that he expressed that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had listed them last among the four tribes. And so, 
Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu asked for the saddle to be fastened on his donkey and so he could present himself before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu's nephew, Sahal, said to him that are you going to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to challenge his statement and inquire about the order of the tribes that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mentioned? And the truth is that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, knows better. Is it not sufficient enough for you that you are also one of the four tribes? And so, Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu abandoned his plan and stated that Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam know better. He then instructed his saddle to be loosened from the donkey. And this narration is also from Sahih Muslim. Hisham bin Uwa relates from his father that Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu used to offer the following supplication. That, O oh Allah, Make me worthy of praise and grant me honour and nobility. One cannot attain honour and nobility without pious deeds. If one does not have good deeds, they cannot attain honour and no nobility. And good deeds cannot be attained without wealth. Therefore, O Allah, little amount of wealth is not sufficient for me and nor will it allow me to remain in this state. In any case, this was his own unique manner of supplicating before Allah the Almighty. In another tradition from Sahih Muslim, narrated by Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, states that Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu asked the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that if I see someone with my wife, should I not do anything until I find four witnesses who actually saw them committing the ill deed? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that yes. Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu submitted that certainly not. I swear by him who has sent you with the truth that if this happened to me, I would immediately settle the matter with my sword. I would not search for a witness, but would instead kill him. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said to the people present, that listen to what your leader is saying. In other words, referring to Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that he is filled with honour, but I possess even greater sense of honour than him, and Allah the Almighty has even greater honour. Then, in relation to this same account, there is another hadith from Sahih Muslim. Hazrat Mughera bin Sheba relates that Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that if I were to find anyone with my wife, I would kill them immediately. I would not kill him with the lower end of the blade, but from the sharpened edge of the sword. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, heard this, he stated that are you amazed at the level of honour Saad has? By God I possess a greater sense of honour than him, and God Almighty possesses an even greater honour. It is in fact owing to his great honour that Allah the Almighty has forbidden immoralities and acts of indecency, whether committed in secret or openly. And there is no one who possesses a greater sense of honour than Allah the Almighty, and there is no one who is more pleased than God in accepting repentance. In other words, no one possesses a greater sense of honour than Allah the Almighty, and nor is anyone more pleased than Allah the Almighty in accepting repentance. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then further stated that it is for this reason that God Almighty has declared his prophets as bearers of glad tidings and as warners, i.e. they give glad tidings and warn people as well. Moreover, there is no one who appreciates praise more than Allah the Almighty, and it is for this reason that God Almighty has promised heaven as a reward. To abstain from sins is in fact to praise Allah the Almighty, and it is for this reason that Allah the Almighty has granted the promise of heaven. Thus, even though Allah the Almighty punishes, but he does not do so immediately. However, man may display haste in handing out punishment, owing to his sense of honour. But Allah the Almighty forgives one who seeks repentance and also rewards them. Thus, Allah the Almighty not only forgives, but then also rewards as well. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that one should not exceed in their actions beyond the commandments of Allah the Almighty. Then there is a tradition in the hadith from Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal in which it states that Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him appointed him to supervise the funds of sadaqat belonging to a particular tribe. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him advised him to always fear Allah lest on the day of judgment he appeared in a state laden with a camel which was bleating. Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied O Prophet of Allah wasallam, then entrust this responsibility to someone else. And so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not assign this duty to him. 
Thus, one who is entrusted with the supervision of something has to ensure that they grant the due rights to everyone, establish justice and not display even a hint of dishonesty. And failing to do this is a grave sin and one will be held accountable on the Day of Judgment. Then during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, six companions collated the entire Holy Quran into a single volume and Hazrat Sa'ad bin Ubada was one of them. Hazrat Muslim Maudah in regards to this states that among the Ansar, the following names are of the well-known Huffaz, i.e. who committed the Holy Quran to memory. They are Ubada bin Samit, Muaz, Mujamma bin Haris, Fuzara bin Ubaid, Masalma bin Mukhallad, Abu Darda, Abu Zaid, Zaid bin Sabit, Ubay bin Kaab, and Saad bin Ubada, Umm Warqa. It is proven from historical sources that there were many companions who had memorized the Holy Quran. There are a few more counts that remain of Saad bin Ubada radiallahu ta'ala anhu, which I will inshallah relate in the future sermons. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,